Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, John 8, 31 and 32, that we know the word, we continue in the word. And it makes us free. It brings freedom into our life. And Lord, we just pray today, Colossians 3.16, that your word would richly dwell among your people. And we pray, Colossians 1.7, that it would bear fruit from the very moment that it goes into our hearts. In the name of our Lord and best friend Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we're in a series called Shine, because letting your light shine before men is easier than you think. And I appreciate Pastor Rick in, in sharing in that last week. And we're going to jump in again today uh, very quickly in our new series, Shine. Now, we gave you an assignment two weeks ago and even last week to write down six names. How many of you have been uh, faithfully praying and thanking God over these six names? We wrote down six names of people that we know who are far away from the Lord, and we're praying for them every day. We're praying for opportunities. And this week, we're going to trim that list down a little bit to three names, and I'm going to explain that to you as we go, because we've all had those opportunities to, to... share our faith, and we've all had opportunities to maybe tell someone about the Lord or invite them to church, and we we chickened out. How many of you have ever chickened out from an opportunity? Am I the only one? Ellie has. I have. We all, our, our heart beats fast and our palms sweat, and it, it seems like it is so difficult to tell. Jesus is the best thing that's happened to us, but yet it is the most challenging and difficult thing to to share your faith for so many people. But if you eat at a good restaurant, it's not hard to say, go eat at this restaurant, we're not afraid to tell someone about the, this barbecue place that we had, and we're not afraid they'll reject us, or what might they think if I invite them to this barbecue? How many of you have ever been to Habaneros? Let me see your hand. Do you know why you've been to Habaneros? Because I took you there. <laughs> because Habaneros is just the ba- best place. I've got no problem sharing my love for Habaneros. But when it comes to our faith, we get all these excuses, we get all these uh, fears, and all this anxiety comes. And this series is, is very spiritual, but it's also very, very practical. This is some practical things we can actually do. And this is, uh, this is our text, Matthew 5. You'll see this on the screen. Matthew five fourteen is such a powerful scripture. It says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Say this with me. Say, I am the light of the world. Jesus is no longer the light of the world because he's now the light of heaven. He has lit your candle. He's lit your torch. And now it is our responsibility to be the light of the world. A city set on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Look at verse 15. The Bible says no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Notice the phrasing, everyone in the house. So when the light of the Holy Spirit ignites your heart for Jesus, your light should shine naturally for everybody in the house. Now look at verse 16. The Bible declares in the same way, let your good deeds. I want to tie this in today. I want to connect this for you. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. How many know they say actions speak louder than words? If you have a hard time expressing words to people, then maybe just start by letting them see your good deeds so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In verse 17, I don't, well, actually, we don't have 17. It ends on 16. Let the same way. Let them see your good deeds and praise your Heavenly Father. And we begin to talk to you about 
uh, acronym or an acrostic for reach. I think you'll have that on the screen. And we, we want you to reach your neighbors in 2018. Now, Pastor Rick last week talked about how we can reach people who are strangers a little bit and how we can really publicly share faith and take the opportunity, hop right into the opportunities God gives us. But my teaching is also primarily geared towards the six people on your list that you know. You can use these principles for what Pastor Rick shared, but this is really designed to help us with people we have acquaintances with. Number one, we've got to reach the right people. We got to make sure we're like Matthew did. He invited all the tax collectors to his house and Jesus was there and that's how he reached out. And it starts with really readying ourselves, being ready to reach the right people that God is already speaking to, that God is already opening doors for. And then we're going to, today we're going to talk about engaging them through kindness. And then we're going to travel on how do we advance towards a relationship. We're going to take the six you've been praying for. We're going to narrow that down to three. And now we're going to pick three families on that list that you really have a compassion for. And over the next two weeks, you're going to begin to engage them through kindness. And then we're going to narrow that down to one, maybe two, but really probably just one family, one person that you feel like God has really done something. They really responded to your kindness. Now you advance towards a relationship with them. And then you're going to, through conversations, you're going to connect them to Jesus, hopefully by connecting them to your church. And then you're going to help them in their process, help them grow in the Lord. Look at our hope for this new series. Our hope is this, a new natural normal. How many, by the show of hands, would love sharing your faith just to be so natural and so normal that it just flowed out from who you are? Let me see your hand. I think it's everybody in the house. We want a new natural normal. And so I gave you just a couple of of quick PowerPoints that we'll look at again. Uh, The first one is this, sharing your faith. It's a part of who you are. It's not something that you do. Sharing your faith is a part of who you are. And how do we do that? Our role is to convince people of God's love. The Holy Spirit convicts them. We convince them of God's love. And so that's some things that we talked about. And this last PowerPoint I want you to see on the screen is people may not always remember what you say. People may not always remember what you say, but they will always remember how they felt around you. Jared, do you have that? Can you pull that PowerPoint up? People may not always remember what you say, but they will always remember how they felt around you. So much of sharing our faith, so much of sharing our story is not uh, so much about what we say, but it's about loving people and sharing God's mercy. So let's jump in today to number two. We're going to engage through kindness. We're going to reach the right people. We're going to ready our life, and we're going to engage them through kindness. How many of you have ever had a random act of kindness done to you before? Or shown to you. How did it make you feel? You love God and you love Christ. You know, you're a follower of Christ and you know God's goodness. But how many of you just, you just felt really good when you had a random act of kindness? Every, all the time, I can't say everywhere I go, but so many times people do nice things for me. Either they feel sorry for me <laughs> or it's just a favor of the Lord. I believe it's just a favor of the Lord. Here's a little thing that someone did for me. We were on vacation and I love these moments because I can point my children to them and I can say, look how awesome God is. Look how much he loves us. How many know we need to learn to celebrate the small things? We don't need to always look for the big, grand, uh, walking on water. We need to learn to see God in the small things. So we went to this water park, and I was counting up how many people we had and how many tickets I needed to buy, and I bought all the tickets that I thought I needed, and inadvertently, I didn't buy Lillian a ticket, but she was at the age she needed one, and I wasn't trying to steal from the water park. I just just counted wrong, and, and so I said, oh, let me buy one more ticket. This little girl here is three, and the cutoff was two, two and under, are free, but I think 
like five and under should be free. Amen. How many of you agree? Amen. Or 15 and under should be free. Amen. Or 35 and under should be free. But I, I said, no, I need to buy one more ticket. And she said, is it for that little girl? And I said, yeah. And I, she said, ah, don't worry about it. I'll give her a band. Don't worry about it. Isn't that awesome? She stole from the company and God bless me. Praise God. <laughs> she may go to hell over it, but I mean, I got blessed. Praise the Lord. But no, but it was just a, just a little thing like that. Just, just, just a little blessing of God. Cause she could have, I had my card out ready to pay. And then she said, no, don't worry about it. And she gave her a band because God loves me. And then we went to the zoo or no, not the zoo. We went to the aquarium, the Florida aquarium. And, uh, they were, is in the middle of a shift change on the little parking lot people. And so I, I drove up and I sat and this lady's like, could you hold on a minute, sir? I was like, sure. You know, I got, where am I going to go? <laughs> I got cars behind me, the, you know, the, the, the gate in front of me. Yes, I'll hang on. I'll wait, you know. And so then the new lady comes and changes out the money and, and she, she says, my computer's having problems. Just go on. I, I can't charge you today. I was like, well, thank you. Praise God. So I came at just the right moment at just the right shift change. And that computer must have been a Windows computer. Can I have an amen? That must have been a PC, not a Mac. A Mac wouldn't have frozen, so I hear from our great associate pastor weekly, on a weekly basis. <laughs> and so I just, I got free parking at the aquarium, and I got to tell my kids, God loves us. And so I was a recipient of kindness, and it made me feel so special. So I want to walk through this with you today about the people that you know in your family. How can you practically engage them through kindness? So we've taken the six that we've been praying over. Now, over the next two weeks, I want you to narrow that down to three that God's really put compassion in your heart for, and I want you to strategically begin to plan to engage them through kindness. How many of you are ready to see God use you in a great way? All right, look at Colossians chapter 3. Let's build this foundation for kindness. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. So those of you who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on. Put on. Notice this. Put on. You don't accidentally bump into a heart of compassion. You don't accidentally stumble into kindness. You put it on. And the word there, put on, in the original Greek language actually means to take something off and put something else on. So take off your crummy attitude. Take off your living in isolation. Come on, somebody. Take off your skepticism of everybody and put on a heart of compassion. Put Meaning compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience are really choices of your will. Well, I'm about to lose my patience. Well, go get it and keep it. Last time I checked, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you should have some patience. Amen? Well, I don't have any patience for this. Well, choose patience. Choose joy. Choose kindness. So it says to put it on. I'll never forget when my kids were little. I can't remember if it was Ava. Was it Ava or Lillian? It was Ava. When Ava was little, when she would get a little cranky, because how many know three-year-olds can occasionally get a little cranky? I mean, no 30-year-olds can occasionally get a little cranky. And when Ava would have a bad news, a bad, a bad attitude, we'd say, now, Ava, you spit that bad attitude out right now. And she would, we would hold our hand out, and she would spit out the bad attitude. And then instantly she would change. How I mean, no, because it's a choice to rejoice. The attitude you presently have is the one you've presently chosen. So look at your neighbor and just hold your hand out and just say, spit out the bad attitude. Don't really spit in their hand. That's kind of gross. Just spit out the bad attitude. I mean, she would change on a dime. And so the Bible says to put on. This whole series is, is about that, putting on kindness. Putting on 
compassion. Look at Ephesians 4.32. Is it okay if we read the Bible this morning? Did y'all come to actually hear the Bible? Look at Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another. How many of you have kids and have ever quoted that to your kids? Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Let me know, when, you, when, you, when you're going to live a fall, as a follower of Christ, you need to be thick-skinned and tender-hearted. Let me know, when you belong to a church body, you need to be thick-skinned but tender-hearted. Don't be easily offended and don't, let, don't have to walk on eggshells and around you and all that. Be thick-skinned but tender-hearted. It says, be kind one to another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So this passage says, we've received God's mercy. We've received God's compassion. God has forgiven us, so we should in turn let that flow out of our heart because we've been forgiven, we've been shown mercy, now we can show love and mercy to others. Now let me keep this verse up, Jared. Let me show you something you probably don't know unless you've ever looked at the original Greek language and did a word study, you wouldn't know this. That word kind is the Greek word Christos, and Christos actually means useful, Christos actually means to be fit for use. How many of you have ever seen something say, well, this ain't even fit to use. I can't even use this. So Christo, which is translated kind, actually means useful. It does also mean pleasant. How many of you think Christ followers ought to be pleasant? How many of you have met Christians before and they had the joy of the Lord in their heart, but they had not notified their face? Their face didn't get the memo that they had the joy of the Lord in their heart. It also means pleasant, it means kind, benevolent, and gracious, but it means useful. So to be kind is to be useful, and to be unkind is to be unuseful? Useless. Useless. Yes, thank you. I was like, I've got to find out how to say this. I was asking Tara last night. She's like, I don't know, Google it. (laughs) Call Susan. I don't know, she'll tell you. Useless. I love it. Thank you. So to be kind is to be useful. And to be unkind is to be useless. Well, what are you talking about, useless? Look with me at 2 Timothy 2. Everybody say, be kind. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to see this passage on the screen. The Bible says in verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified. Are you ready? Here's the word. Useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So when you are kind... You are useful to the Lord. When you are not kind, you are useless in the kingdom of God. How many of you think that's some great revelation right there? So we can engage our neighbors through kindness, and it starts the door of the supernatural where God can use you to reach your neighbors. Now, one of the greatest examples of this in Scripture, I think, is Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. You all know it, but I don't want to read it because there's some things I want to bring out. So let's turn to Luke chapter 10. Open your Bibles. Flip open there, Luke chapter 10. The reason I want you to bring your Bibles is to make sure I'm telling the truth. Don't just blindly believe me. Make sure what we're putting up on the screen is actually what the Bible says. I mean, we can put anything on the screen. So check it out for yourself. Let's make sure we're telling you the truth here. Luke chapter 10. I'm just going to read it. I know it's a long passage, but I think it'll help us. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And it says, a lawyer, that's a scribe who's a Pharisee, stood up to put Jesus to the test. They were always trying to trick Jesus, always trying to trap him with his his words. Have you ever had anybody try to trick you and trap you with your words? It says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Look at verse 26. 
Verse 26 says, well, what is written in the law? You're a scribe. You're a lawyer. You know the, the law of Moses better than anybody here. How does it read to you? How do you understand it? And the man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Look what Jesus said. He said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So you wanted this big, complicated answer. You already know. You already know what to do in this situation. You've answered quickly. But wishing now to justify himself because he was embarrassed, because Jesus had turned it back on him. And so he said, well, then who is my neighbor? Okay, Jesus, I'll play your little silly game. Love your neighbor as myself. Well, who is my neighbor? You know, because the Jews and the Samaritans were at major racial odds and tension, and they wouldn't even eat together. They wouldn't even walk on the same road hardly together. They just major prejudice from the Jews and the Samaritans. And so this man is now trying to trap him again and saying, okay, who is my neighbor? Now look at verse 30. Jesus replied, there was a man going down from Jerusalem. Now, because he didn't say a Samaritan, because he said a man, and he's talking to a Jewish scribe, scholars believe Jesus is alluding to a Jewish man. There's potentially, it's a Jewish man of their own culture going down from Jerusalem, Jericho, and he fell among the robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and they went away leaving him half dead. It's just a crazy, terrible scene here that's unfolding. Look at verse 31. The Bible declares, and by chance, and by chance, somebody say by chance, God will always give you by chance opportunities. God will always give you an opportunity, and, and, and he, God will test you in a way to see if you're going to do right or if you're going to do wrong. And by chance, there is a priest. Now, oh, this guy's going to help. Surely, he's a priest. Surely, he's going to help this man who's beaten and bleeding and left half dead. But when the priest went down the road and he saw him, the man that was beaten and bleeding, he passed by on the other side. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Not only did he not help, but he went out of his way to avoid the man. How many of you have ever been in Walmart or Kroger or Target and seen somebody and you didn't really want to talk to them and you went all the way around the store? We got, yeah, yeah, I'm guilty too. It's like, come on, kids, Walmart trip's cut short. Let's go, you know. <laughs> Dad, why are we leaving? We're not paying for the stuff. Come on, get in the car. Let's go, let's go. He went all the way around to avoid this man. Now, the priest is bad enough, but look at this. Look in verse 32. Not only that, but a, but a Levite here, a, a man of the temple, when he came and saw the man to the place, he passed by on the other side. So we have two prominent religious figures here of leadership who did not take advantage of the opportunity. Now, maybe they had justified reasons. Let's not be so mean to the priest. Let's not be so mean to the Levite. Maybe they were on a very strict time schedule. Temple service, maybe it's an hour of prayer. Can't be late. Can't be late for the sermon. Can't be late for church. I've got priestly duty. Maybe they had their garments on, and maybe the blood would have stained their garments, and they would be now ceremonially unclean. Maybe, maybe they were afraid that the robbers were still behind the bushes, and if they came to help the man, maybe the robbers would have cost them as well. Maybe they had really good, valid reasons to pass by. Let's look at verse 33. Verse 33 says this, But the Samaritan who didn't even associate with Jews. They drank out of different wells. Major divide, hatred. Remember, they even the woman, the, the Samaritan woman came, and there's, she said, you know, y'all call me dogs. I mean, they were called the dogs. 
But a Samaritan who was on a journey, who had somewhere to go, who had a purpose, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. Do you remember we said, put on a heart of compassion? Put on a heart of kindness? Do you know why we're not reaching our neighbors for the Lord? Because we don't really have compassion for them. Because maybe their life isn't that bad. Maybe their house is bigger than ours. You know what? They don't know Jesus, but man, they got a nice family. They got a nice house, nice pool. I got a neighbor who's got a very nice house, very nice pool, but I can't tell you where his walk with God is. So on the outside, they got better than I do. You know, look at this. He felt compassion. We need to have compassion for people who are away from God. Notice this here. He came and bandaged him up, poured in the oil and the wine. That was medicine of that day. And, he, and there's some symbolism there we could get into for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and salvation. And put him on his own beast. Notice this. He walked and let the, the sick man ride. And he brought him to an end to take care of him. So he, he didn't just bandage him up, put in the oil and wine, and then leave him. He helped him along the way. He helped him get to a place of restoration. He, took, uh, he advanced in that relationship. Now notice here in verse 35. So he's dropped off at the end. They're taking care of him. And verse 35 says this. On the next day, he took two denarii. This would have paid for two weeks' stay. He took his own money, and he said to the innkeeper, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, if you spend anything else, I will repay you when I get back. Look at the next verse, 36. So Jesus then replied, So which of these three... Do you think proved to be a neighbor? Notice this word. Are you ready? Proved to be a neighbor. He wasn't debating who was the neighbor of the Samaritan because that's not the issue. The issue is which one proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robber's hands. Look at verse 37. I want you to see this. Ready? And Jesus said, or the man replied, actually. The man said, the one. He didn't even say the Samaritan. They were so prejudiced against Samaritans, he didn't even speak his name. He said, the one. The one who showed mercy, kindness, compassion. Then Jesus said, okay, you got it. Go and do the same. Go and do the same. So let me give you just a few quick little points here before we let you go this morning. Number one, from this passage, I want you to see this. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware, number one, be aware of your surroundings. Priests and Levite both passed up an opportunity. You see, we don't have to look very far for opportunities. Be aware of your surroundings. How many times have you driven by your neighbor and they were unloading groceries in their car and you didn't even notice? How many times have I, just because I'm busy, because I'm on my phone, because I'm locked in like this, come on, that's good preaching, because Facebook is dinging me, Telling me I got a message or whatever because I'm so, I'm making myself, when I go to the cashier place at the grocery store, I'm making myself just stand there and look at the cashier and talk to them and say their name. They have a name tag. Use their name. Hello, Sarah. How are you today? Busy today? Working hard today? I go to the same grocery store all the time. I'm trying to now get in the one line of this one lady because I think the Lord might want to show her love and minister to her. So pull up number one, Jared. Be aware of your surroundings. We don't have to look very far for hurting people. Now, opportunities may not be as bold and as grand as what we just read, but don't forsake the small opportunities. Look at this PowerPoint for life. This really tells you what I'm trying to say. Check out this PowerPoint for life. Do not die with a hidden treasure of good intentions. Be aware of your 
surroundings. Focus on people. Uh, One of my mentors says, walk through a crowd slowly. Have you ever thought about just in your heart saying, Lord, who do you want to speak to today? Yeah, I'm at Kroger pushing the buggy. But who, who do you want? Do you want me to bless somebody today? You mean speak somebody? Yeah, I'm out mowing the yard and my neighbors are out there and all, but, but do you want, do you want to love them today? Do you want to share your, your plan for them? So do not die with a treasure, with a hidden treasure of good intentions. How many of you have heard the highway to hell is paved with good intentions? Y'all got good hearts, man. Everybody in the room's got good hearts. I know you want to do this, but we have to be aware of our surroundings. Number two, I want you to see this on the screen. The second thing that I noticed from this passage is you be a neighbor. You be the neighbor. It's not about who is my neighbor. It's about who are you? The story is more about the character of the Samaritan than who is helping. Notice this without prejudice. What does that mean in everyday real language? I don't want to talk to, you know, Hispanic people or black people or white people or no, that's not prejudice is even more than that. I know this neighbor is anti-God. I know this neighbor is anti-religious. Therefore, I'm not going to bother him. I'm not going to intrude. I'm not going to share my story. I'm not going to engage with kindness. There's no way that he'll accept it. You're playing God. You're eliminating someone that God might be knocking on the door of their heart. Notice this. When the man's bleeding, laying there, the Samaritan didn't go, Now, hey, what's your nationality? Or what if, it, what if the man that fell among the robbers was in a drug deal gone bad? Maybe the priest thought, the priest thought, Man, I bet this man deserved it. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. If he'd been hanging out with the right people, this would have never have happened to him. Hey, this is real life stuff. So he probably deserved it. I don't want to be a part of that. No, we love our neighbor. We be a neighbor without prejudice. Whether they're like us or not like us or whether they're, whether they're rich or poor or whether they, they have an affinity for the, the religious things of God or whether they are anti-church, we cannot have prejudice. We must show kindness to everyone. Don't judge the person. You may not know what God is doing in their life. Heard a story. Susan will appreciate this. There is a home health care no- nurse who had been assigned to a terminally ill woman. This woman had stage four aggressive cancer, terminally ill, and she had a home health care nurse. And the lady was just bitter, bitter at the world, understandably so, just bitter. And she would get so angry and frustrated because she was doing chemo and she lost all of her hair and none of her hats fit because she had a very small head, an unusually small head. And this is a true story. And the nurse took all the hats home one day, Christian nurse, and hemmed them to make them smaller so they fit and brought them back. And this completely changed this woman's outlook on life, completely changed their relationship, completely changed her demeanor. She was then very open to kindness and very open to the gospel. You know what? Flip the, the switch, fixing a hat, a minor, simple act of kindness. It was an opportunity. She was aware of her surroundings. We need to listen. People will tell us what they need. We need to listen. And then you be the neighbor. Don't wait on someone else. It's not really about who, which one of these is my neighbor. It's more about who you are and you prove to be the neighbor. Can I have an amen if you're with me? Number three, check this out. We're going to be aware of our surroundings. You take it upon yourself to be the neighbor. You go over and you knock on the door. You engage. Don't wait on them. You take the opportunity. You jump into the opportunity that God gives you. Sometimes, listen, friends, sometimes this is serious business. Sometimes we have to create the opportunities. 
Sometimes we have to take steps. Most of the time we do. Number three, see something, do something. Look at Proverbs 22.9, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. If you see something, do something. Notice this in Proverbs 29. He who has a generous eye, teaching my kids this, he who is always looking out to be a blessing, who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. Do you, do you live your life looking for opportunities to be a blessing? Do you go through the line and the check at work in the office? I work with about 30 or 40 employees. It's so easy to come in, go to my little desk, shut my door, do my thing, and leave. And I could seriously not talk to anybody all day. But what if I take a moment and stroll through the office, find someone who has a task or an assignment that really is over their head or they're overwhelmed, and I offer to help them without any kind of compensation, without any kind of pay? I've got a coworker right now who's on my list. I love Pastor Rick was on the list. If you guys didn't hear the testimony about him being on the prayer list, you got to get last week's podcast. Many people put Pastor Rick on their prayer list, and he didn't want to be on the list. But God used it. I'm telling you, you all think this, well, the pastor's having us write down six little names to pray for. He is a result of the prayer list. This is serious things in the kingdom of God. It is the, the, the Holy Spirit uses these things. So there's a coworker right now who I've been trying to reach for maybe a decade. He is as closed as Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. I mean, he's closed. But I think the Lord has given me an idea. He's given me something I can do to crack the door with, with kindness. How I many know every hard nut can be cracked? Amen. And so I'm, I'm excited because I feel like I've got something from the Lord to do in this series. And I believe in God for fruit. See something, do something. Here's what we have to do. We're almost done. We have to connect the, the physical to the spiritual. Do you know why we're going to Lonsdale to give out hot dogs and blow up bounce houses and to people who may never come to our church? Because we're connecting the physical to the spiritual. It will open a heart for Kiko to pour in God's love into those kids and those families. It could change entire generations. We've got to connect. We, we want everything spiritual. You want to walk up to your neighbor and say, the Lord says to me, repent this day and be born again. Well, there's a very small chance that that's going to do anything. You may have a divine moment where God says, turn or burn, get right or get left, get filled or get grilled in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There, there may be a very, very, very small chance that God gives you a word like that for your neighbor, but probably not. God probably wants to speak to you through being kind and gentle and seeing a need and meeting it. Tommy Barnett, the great pastor in Arizona, great Assembly of God church out there, was asked one time, how did you build your church and all these ministries? He said, find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. We make this so complicated. See something, do something. Remember Mark chapter 6. Uh, this is just an illustration here. Mark chapter 6, Jesus is healing everybody. The, they're casting out demons. This big healing miracle tour been going on all day. And the disciples come to Jesus, Mark 6, and they said, Jesus, send the people away so that they can buy food. What did Jesus say? He turned around and said, no, 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 no. You give them something to eat. I think it's verse 37. You give them something to eat. Say this to me. Say, you give them something to eat. What is this series about? What's this engaging through kindness business, TC? Jesus said, you go and do the same. You give them something to eat. Do you not carry the bread of life around with you? Do you not carry the bread of life, which is Jesus? Number four, 
We're going to be aware of our surroundings. Today, start today. Just walk slowly. Just in your heart, walk through the grocery store. I'm going to lunch today. Walk through lunch and just go, God, is there anybody in this room that you want to love on today? Or pull in your neighborhood. God, is there any neighbor today that I can help or bless? Let's be aware of our surroundings. You be the neighbor. You prove to be the neighbor. See something, do something. Number four, last one, be willing to pay the cost. How many of you have ever thrown a rock in a pond and seen all the ripples? How many of large doors swing on small hinges? A small pebble makes a big ripple. A small boat makes a huge wake. A small hinge swings a great mighty door. Small acts of kindness can do marvelous things in someone's heart. You've got to be willing to pay the, the price. Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's inconvenience. You've got to be willing to pay the cost of, of the comfort zone that you live in in your little bubble. Everybody go, pop, pop the bubble. Just pop, pop the bubble. Comfort zone bubble's gone. You gotta be willing to pay the cost. Let me show you a quick, quick video of a true story, true testimony of a church that I uh, follow and listen to their podcast. This was about a life group who served an individual and God did amazing things through this for a neighbor. So play this video. A couple months back, I met my neighbor Omid and learned immediately that uh, there were some things that he was challenged with at his house. And so he had said that the city had contacted him and said that they asked him to basically fix his fence because it, was, it had fallen down. I just asked Omid, I said, what do you need help with around, and around your, your yard? And he said, well, I need a new fence. Um, I need a new gate. I need help with some of the overgrown bushes and the shrubbery. My wife and I don't lead the life group. Um, however, we're thinking about it and praying about it. And we said, well, what if we suggested to the group to serve Omid as a serve experience? And so um, I just brought it to our life group and I said, hey, what, what do you guys think about serving one of our neighbors? And everyone was pretty receptive. And so we just basically linked arms as a group and said, let's spend the entire day just blessing him and helping him out with his landscape. It really helped us realize that there are needs right here in our own backyard. When we think of being missionaries or going and serving, sometimes we even think about going across the world. But the reality is, you know, God calls us to people right here, uh, right next door. All right, now show the next video. This is true footage. This actually happened. Show the next video. This is so inspiring. There's the neighbor they did the serve for. He's now accepted Christ, and he's being baptized because they did landscaping. Come on, can we give God thanks for small acts of kindness? So let me just give you some practical things. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love is kind and thoughtful in the Amplified Version. Say that with me. Love is kind and thoughtful. Now, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. The Holy Spirit will help you engage. We've taken those six names we've been praying for. And if you haven't, start now. 
Pick up now and start. Pick three families or three names that you really feel a compassion towards, that you really sense God may be working in life. Over the next two weeks, do an act of kindness to those three families. Then we're going to come back in two weeks, and we're going to narrow that down to one, and you're going to really advance towards a relationship with those folks, which that's where it gets real fun. That's where it gets messy. That's where, that's where it's, it's, it's easy to maybe mow somebody's yard. But when you start advancing towards relationship and actually having the conversation, by the end of the year, you could have your neighbor sitting in church with you, fill the Spirit of God, serving the Lord by the end of the year. By the end of the year, you can say, I, Karen and Angela are here because of Bob and Gail. God had done a lot of work in their life before and a lot of seeds in their heart. But by, I remember when they first brought Caleb, Bob was so excited. He finally got Caleb to come to youth group. And Bob would tell me, I'm praying for my neighbors. He'd say, I pray for my neighbors. And then he got them here. Can you encourage the Roundtree family? Man, we love these guys. This is real life stuff. Your family and your friends and your neighbors can be sitting beside you by the end of the year. Isn't that awesome? So this is some things we can do. I don't know what to do. Well, don't say that. Everybody make a commitment. Say, I will not say, I don't know what to do. I, I believe in confession. I believe your words are powerful. And when you say you don't know what to do, guess what? You're not going to know what to do. How about you say, I, I will know exactly what to do. The Holy Spirit will lead me. I will have creative ideas. Here's some things you can do practically. Put cookies on their door. Leave a note that is from you. Say, hey, just had you in my heart thinking about you with a batch of cookies. Or in Susan's case, some extravagant homemade dessert. Could, <laughs> could, could you put me on your list just so I could get a... Let's see, you make some really good stuff. So Guacamole dip, whatever. It doesn't have to be cookies, but... I've got a neighbor right now that I'm, I've got a neighbor on my list. Three of my neighbors are on my list. And I'm going to have the lovely Miss Tara whip them up something great. Amen. <laughs> they might tell me to go somewhere if I cook it and drop it off on there. I'm thinking about have. I'm seriously am. Yeah, I'm going to do something for, for three of my neighbors. Meet a simple noticeable need. Maybe mowing a yard, washing a car, maybe helping them. I've got neighbor who never uses a weed eater. He's never used a weed trimmer. I'm going to help the whole neighborhood by serving him. I'm going to go trim his bushes and all that. Buy a gift. That's what I, the guy in my office, I felt like the Lord just put in my heart. He's a UT fan, big UT fan. I'm going to buy him a big, nice picture of UT picture so he can put in his office. That's what I'm going to do. What if, what if you help a coworker with a project without expectation? What if you I said this, uh, clean landscaping, help carrying groceries. Bring donuts to work to bless all the coworkers. Who brought this in? Well, David brought this in today. Well, David, thanks for the donuts, man. Small act of kindness. Staff, do y'all want to bring in donuts for the <laughs> small act of kindness around here in the office? What about this? What if you cook a meal for someone? Bring a dessert. Help with, with school supplies. This time of year, there's a lot of families going back to school. And I'm telling you, a bag of glue and pencils and staples and paper could go a long way. So last slide as we close today. This is something I want to live by. You ready? This is, I felt like the Lord gave me this directly. Never heard anybody say this. This is something fresh from the Lord just for you, just for me. Set out to make someone's day every day. The Lord really he put that right in my heart. I felt like that's my, my new mission. Now, I don't have to make a hundred people's day every day. Just one. Set out to make someone's day every day. And you know how the Lord kind of...
I like things that rhyme and, and alliteration. Have y'all noticed that we like alliteration? And he took it a little further. He said, yeah, I'm the way maker. Jesus is the way, but you're the day maker. Come on, isn't that good? That's a, that deserves a high five. Yeah, Jesus is the way maker, but, but LaDonna, you're the day maker. Tom, you are the day maker. Set out to make someone's day every single day. We can do this. We can reach our friends and family for the Lord, and it will, it will change entire generations. Amen? Amen. All right. Don't forget, be back at 2 o'clock today for the birthday celebration. It's going to be awesome. And as soon as we dismiss, if we could get some guys to help set up, we're going to take the chairs and move them and put tables. And so if you could stay 10 minutes and help, that would be great. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. You've encouraged us so much. You've made our day, God. Now we want to take that mercy and we want to make someone else's day. Lord, I pray that you help us reach those on our list through kindness. Even strangers, God. You can use this for strangers, as Pastor Rick talked about last week. But Lord, we, we sincerely ask you for opportunities. One thing I've learned, God, from Pastor Rick is that if we get up daily and pray for opportunities, you will give them to us. Lord, we ask you now in our hearts, would you give us divine opportunities so we can help people connect with you on a greater level? In Jesus' name, amen, amen.